The dead won't bother you. It's the living you gotta worry about. Something if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Hey guys! Hi! Welcome to the Bad Taste Crimecaster here! Oh my god. <laughs> Barely here. <laughs> if you could have been in this room for the last, like, five minutes of what just happened. I think it was more than five minutes. I don't know. Oh man. Just, yeah, just so you know, we'll have a great a, blooper reel for Patreon. What a last couple of weeks it's been. Man, how are you, Vicky? I'm doing well. How are you, Janelle? Not doing well. No? No. Just contemplating moving to Canada. For what? Because, um, I don't know if you know this, but basically the U.S. is becoming the video game Wolfenstein. Have you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, the Nazis yeah. are taking over. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. What the fuck is going on? I saw something on Reddit today that was, uh, it was like a gif of British people watching, like, a reaction gif of British people watching what's happening in the U.S. Like, what the fuck is going on over there? We don't know. I don't know. We can't tell you. All I know is, this is all I have, and I'm clinging to it. <laughs> this podcast is all I have left. We'll strangle it until there's no life left in it. They will strangle the love out of this podcast. <laughs> For love! Oh, oh man. Oh, God. Well, well... You know, I made it here, at least, so we're... <laughs> yeah. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah, we both had uh, long weekends. I'm sorry, I apologize if I sound a little stuffy, if anybody's been paying attention to the news, <laughs> Illinois... Was put a in pond. a well, yeah. It's basically a pond. We were put in a state of emergency, I think, by Governor Rauner a couple weeks ago because yeah. of all the flooding. And my basement has got water in it, and I think some of the mildew just hanging around. It's a real shit show. Yeah, we don't know what's happening with this world. I mean, right now, thankfully, my house is okay, and I was just like sitting and watching my neighbors pump fucking. And I don't live that water. far from her at no, all. We live very close. To yeah, you. <laughs> people um, are just. Pumping, we were you know, maybe water. You're just the chosen one. I am the chosen, chosen one. one. I'm just like Sam, pretty, no flooding. <laughs> oh jeez. All right, well let's get into some uh, true crime. True crime, <laughs> all the time. Yeah, just one little bit of news. We were kind of talking about this. So there's this British model named Chloe Ailing, and she just. Uh, returned from being kidnapped. Yeah, I haven't heard this story. Yeah, so she got... She, she allegedly was kidnapped by um, a guy who lured her to a photo shoot mm-hmm. and said she was kidnapped by a group called the Black Death. The Plague? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a... Um, I don't know. Like a... I don't want to say a mob group, but it's I think it's a human trafficking mm. Um, organization and said that she was told she got kidnapped because they were going to sell her as a sex slave for tons and tons of money. Mm. And then allegedly the person who kidnapped her saw photos on her Instagram of her with her child and then felt bad and like returned her. And then he was arrested, I believe when she got, when she was, uh, when she returned. Oh, okay. 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 So now they are looking into closer connections between this man and Chloe because mm. apparently they might have had a closer relationship than they've kind of let on to this point. Okay. Like they so like a fake met each other before and like have been seen going out together on 
a couple of occasions. Not, I don't think like dating necessarily, but just like, hanging out. yeah. So okay. I just thought that was interesting. Cause I remember when the story first broke that she had been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, mm, I feel like this like is like a setup or some kind of a, like a hoax. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have Publicity. to see. <laughs> For her mom. Yeah. I'm not, dude, people do crazy things. Have you seen those models that like stand, they go and stand on the edges of buildings, like super tall ass buildings in like Dubai? And I have seen that. To get like the most Instagram followers or like. Wants to push them off, but I'm like, <laughs> don't be that person. Well, and I'm like, why? <laughs> why? Like, especially in heels. Oh my God. No. I wouldn't no. have made it even out <laughs> as far on I that wore much. wedges yesterday, and I thought I was going to die <laughs> on flat ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just don't understand it. I mean, I'm not saying... I'm saying it's not out of the question that some like somebody would do something that crazy to increase their social media following or, you know... It's going to be like that fucking fuck. episode of Black Mirror. I have not watched the, that show. The second season. Nope. The... The first episode is basically every interaction you have with a person, you rate them from one to four stars, I think it is. What? And your your status in society is based upon how many stars that you have. So we're well on our way there. That's annoying. That's basically Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> that's really You should weird. watch it. That's really it's weird. Pretty, I think it might be on my, my It's list. on Netflix. It's yeah. a great show. I Speaking of Netflix. <laughs> that was like a... A beautiful natural you, segue that did just you happened. Plan that transition. No, I it didn't. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Too beautiful. Netflix. We've got a couple of things that we wanted to. Yeah, we have some share if you haven't seen. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So I was Vicky had showed this to me. She like tagged me on fucking Facebook, and oh I was my like, gosh. "What is this?" There is a new true crime mockumentary that's going to be on Netflix mm-hmm. um, September 15th, and it's called American Vandal. Yeah. And it's kind of in the vein of, like, um... Making a murder. Making a murder. The yeah, the keepers. Yeah. It's kind of... It just... Oh, it's funny because they actually so talk about that, that style of, like, a true crime, um, almost miniseries or, yeah. like, you know, series versus, like, a single documentary is, like, a style that Netflix really kind of created. Yeah. And, like, the way they they film it, like, there's just a certain... It just feels very real. Yeah. Just looking at the teasers for it. But it's just... It's... The, yeah. It's, watch the, the trailer. It's hilarious. Yeah. I'm very excited the, for it. The, the premise is that there is a high school student who's about to graduate who is accused, they go into school one morning and is accused of drawing or spray painting dicks all over. on all the cars, just penises everywhere. Oh, God. Um, so, funny so, like, the minute I saw that, I was like, I'm totally in. Like, this looks just <laughs> childish enough for me oh, to want to watch, for That's sure. Good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. I, <laughs> I just can't believe. Like, the thing, I think the article that I tagged you in, they were talking about um, if this is something that's going to, like, kill the genre that Netflix kind of created with this true crime thing, because now they're literally releasing something, like, just completely mocking. Oh, yeah, the, mocking themselves, basically. Yeah, which I guess great. is great if you can laugh at yourself, but, like, yeah. I don't know, I think it looks good. Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. And then uh, <laughs> I was talking to my parents about this, because... Um, they are also very into true crime, and my mom suggested a TV show to me that I didn't even know was happening, and I was way behind, yeah. so I had to catch up real quick. It's called uh, The Vanishing Women, and it's on ID. 
Um, you can watch online, and if you know they have all the episodes backlogged. Um, yeah, on their stuff, but it's uh, basically about all these women who are vanishing in Chillicothe, Ohio, mm-hmm. fucking Ohio, always Ohio, fucking Ohio, and they're like lower income. Cleveland, women. fucking Cleveland. <laughs> Um, it's pretty close to Cleveland. <laughs> so, yes. Um, they're, like, vanishing, and they all are women who live in lower-income areas of the city, who have, you know, have records of drugs or, you know, prostitution or something like that, and they're almost all single mothers. Okay. So, it follows, um, all of these disappearance of these women who have very similar backgrounds, and the police department aren't doing anything about it. And they were releasing suspects and just, like, fucking it up royally. Yeah. So it's called The Vanishing Women, and you should check it out. It's really good. I think it's, like, yeah. a uh, ten-part series. Um, it really goes in-depth. I do want to watch good. that. I um, You tagged me, I think, in something when you found out about it. It mm-hmm. looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes my parents just tell me some real gems, so. <laughs> yeah. The other one that I happened to stumble upon, like, a couple days ago was uh, Killer Women with Pierce Morgan. And Pierce Morgan, I really love. You know, it's your... British documentarian. And the thing is, is it sounds like one of those really cheesy, like, you know, where they do the reenactments. Yeah. (laughs) But it's, um, it's super interesting. I think I only saw that there were two episodes on Netflix, but he actually gets interviews with uh, the women in prison. Oh, okay. And we'll go and interview them and like their families. And if there were any survivors, um, like the first one that he, he, interviews is Erin Caffey and she was involved in this plot to kill her entire family. Oh my god. And it was... a Nanny Doss situation. (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, so she, the gist of the story is that she was in the car while her boyfriend and some of his friends went into the house and shot her entire family and then set the house on fire. Oh my god. And this whole thing unravels where it's kind of this plot that she was a part of but doesn't admit that she was a part. So um, her dad actually survived this whole ordeal. So he interviews, he's the only one of the family to survive. So he interviews the dad and, and goes in um, and interviews her. And that's really interesting. It was just really cool. Um, The other two cases that he talks about are Amanda Lewis, who drowned her seven year old daughter and was essentially convicted um, on the testimony of her seven year old son. Um, and they have Which some of the video sometimes a little, court. Yeah, yeah it's definitely, <laughs> I think, cases that make you think. They're all kind of like, you know, there's something maybe a little weird or unusual. Um, the other one is Rhonda Glover, who was uh, accused of shooting her wealthy lover mm. um, <laughs> a bunch of times. So anyway, check that out. It's yeah, really good. good. I didn't yeah. even know that was a show. Something. Yeah, I think they just recently added it. And I guess there's more episodes than I thought there was, so. Fuck, I need to check that out. Yeah! <laughs> I basically just need to stay home one week and catch up on all my shows and podcasts that I'm very behind on. Yeah. Because I've been working on my own podcast. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. We're too busy with our own shit. I know. I, like... We'll listen to one for five minutes, and I'm like, fuck, I have to research. <laughs> I know. That's the benefit of being able to work in a place where I can just have my headphones in. It's because I'm literally listening to podcasts for eight hours a day. God damn it, I wish. Yeah, it's great. That's why I always have suggestions for podcasts every week, is because I'm just burning it makes through me them. sad. Yeah, it's awesome. I wish I could go at that pace. Yeah, uh, right. All right, guys. So... 
I decided for this, my pick this week that we're going to kind of like switch it up a little bit because mm-hmm. that's what we do here. We switch it up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I always um, try new things. There's no spaghetti. formula. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so because I've just been like absolutely depressed with the state of our world that we live in right now <laughs> and I didn't want to throw more sadness into the mix, I decided that we we're gonna do fucking survivor stories. Keeping it light. Well keeping it real light. No. Well I feel like I mean, the problem that I kinda see sometimes is that we just get so obsessed with the crime aspect and like the psychology of the murderer that we often very much glance over the people who are being killed. Absolutely. Um, and for this, I just wanted to really concentrate on the survivors and talk about, you know, what happened to them and what they're doing with their life after this just horrible, you know, tragic event. So, yeah. Um, my story today is going to be Holly Dunn Pendleton, and she is a survivor of the railroad killer, um, also known as Angel Matrino Resendez. Oh, so, wait, before we get too far, <laughs> yes. we're also going to put a trigger warning on this, yes. too. Yes. Just before we get too far <laughs> into it, yeah. Um, I'm going to be reading some actual um, stuff that she had written. She has a book, um... And a few excerpts from interviews with her. So there's going to be actual her her telling the story. Um, so it's going to get a little graphic at some parts. Um, if you need to turn it off, we understand yeah. for a minute. Um, that? This content may not be appropriate for all listeners. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a little sure. bit hard. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I might have to take it. So much for keeping it light. I know. God I damn might it. have to take a second <laughs> myself to collect myself um, because I was like writing this and just being like like doing the deep breath thing like god damn it oh my <laughs> so god. i was like we need to do a warning <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right all right continue okay so um this is gonna be we're gonna start off with uh, her words it was an august night in lexington kentucky in 1997 my boyfriend chris and i had been at a busy university party when we decided to get some fresh air We wandered to the railway line a few blocks away and sat chatting by the tracks. An hour later or so, as we stood to leave, a man appeared from behind the electrical box, blocking our way. There was nothing particularly distinctive about him. He was in his late 30s with olive skin and dark hair, but his eyes were unsettling to me. They were expressionless. Give me your money, he demanded in a Mexican accent. Before we had time to react, he was next to us holding something sharp against Chris's neck. It looked like an ice pick. We don't have any cash, I said. Take our credit cards. So, after he had approached them, um, he tied Chris up with straps of the backpack that he was carrying. Uh, He then removed the belt from Holly and tied her up. So he has both of them tied up um, by the train tracks. And, I mean, it's a little fishy. They're like, we don't have money. Take whatever we have. And he was like, didn't even give a fuck. He's like, I'm tying you up. He then pushed them into a ditch off the side of the railroad tracks, and he just, like, disappeared for a minute. So Holly thought that it was, like, over. So okay. she started to untie herself because he didn't do a very good job. He, like, tied her up with a belt. Um, and as she got herself free, she started to move over to Chris to untie him, and all of a sudden, the man reappeared again. Uh, this, is, this is where it's going to get a little gross. The man came back, and he had a large, giant rock in his hand. And before Holly could, like, get up to, like, push him away, he just dropped it on Chris's head. And 
it basically cracked his skull wide open. Oh my god. Um, So we're going to go back to her telling the story. Uh, Chris fell still and began to gurgle. Turn his head to the side so he doesn't choke, I begged the man. He's gone, the man replied casually. He began to tug at my jeans, and I realized with horror that he had planned to rape me. I started to kick and scream, but was silenced when he stabbed the ice pick he had been holding into the side of my neck. I have no idea how long the attack lasted for. My mind drifted up and out of my body, but afterwards I begged him to put my trousers back on. If they were going to find my body, I didn't want to be naked. Bizarrely, he agreed. He then began to whack me across the head with something, a plank of wood, I think. I didn't feel pain, just an immense pressure with each blow. I slipped into unconsciousness. When I woke up, the man had left. I staggered towards a nearby house, covered in blood. I was taken to the hospital with a broken jaw, a smashed eye socket, an inch-deep stab wound to my neck, and many, many cuts and bruises. My parents and sister rushed to my side. Chris is gone, isn't he? I asked my father, and he nodded. I had spent five days in the hospital. I guess I was still in survival mode because I just felt numb. As soon as I had recovered physically, I returned to university, and I was trying to ignore what had happened. But the thought that Chris's killer was still out there somewhere kept me awake at night. A year later, the emotional trauma finally caught up with me, and I started to attend a support group to work through my grief and the suffocating guilt I felt as surviving the attack. Jeez. So, yeah, I, I told you it was going to be is, you know, heavy. It's always like, so when you're in a situation like that, I feel like with when it's you're with somebody else, somebody else that mm-hmm. you know, something happens to that person. Like, how hard is it to keep going and to exactly. keep fighting? I like feel like in that moment you'd be so... Especially with you someone know, that you love. They were dating. And, yeah. and that was her first boyfriend. If yeah. you read more into the, the book that she had written. But survivor's guilt is, is I think, worse than PTSD. Because it's not just PTSD. It's you're looking at yourself going, like, why? Why am I here and that person isn't? And especially when you're a survivor of a series of... He went on to murder more people in the very similar fashion. And when they started to connect this together, it you can see. So it took them about 18 months um, for them to connect Chris's murder and her attack to the serial killer. Yeah. And that was also around the time where she just couldn't take it anymore. And her sur- like her survivor's guilt crushed her. Because they started to get the case going and realizing that he was killing all these people in the same fashion. Right. And you're the only survivor... Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it weighs heavily on you. Uh, So it was like 18 months after the fact, they figured out that it was that Angel Resendez guy. And they were building a case, but uh, they hadn't really, you know, gotten enough evidence to convict him. Um, But in July of 1999, so it was about two years later, he surrendered to the police. Because they had put out, because they were looking for him. Yeah. They had put out all this information. They were looking for him. They had contacted his family. They thought he went back to Mexico because he was technically a Mexican citizen um, who had illegally crossed the border. Um, but they said that he officially killed 10 people, but it could be possibly up to 30. Um, and it was between 97 and 99 because he illegally crossed the border and he had a very extensive criminal history in Mexico. They yeah. weren't even sure if there were more people than that 10. It was definitively 10, but he crossed into the United States using the railway system. And the uh, railway system is how 
and where he murdered. And people. we've talked about we've talked about highway systems before. It's the exact same thing where it's easy to just Too keep easy. moving and mm-hmm. not be connected with any place you just were cuz yeah, you're just so, moving around I too mean, much. it's also pretty known that if you get a coyote or whatever to help you cross the border, the chances of you coming across are very slim. Right. Yeah. Um so who knows if he had to kill someone to get over here or who knows how many train rides, you know, there's hobos that still ride trains. This is right. the late nineties. It's still a thing. Yep. Um, and there are innumerable amounts of people who get killed on trains and tossed off and never seen or heard of again. So it's like, um, but Holly and Chris were considered his very first official victims. Really? And so they don't know what happened in Mexico or on the way here, but that they're the very first official victims of the uh, railway serial killer. Um, but the week that Resendez, he, like, he was very easily found guilty and convicted, and um, they decided that they were, instead of putting him in jail for the rest of his life, that they were going to execute him. Um, and this is in... Uh, Indiana is where this murder that Chris had died happened. Um, But it kind of went all over the place. But they had convicted him, and the week uh, of his execution, this was like a a statement that the Courier-Journal was given from um, Holly. She said that, I will live with the emotional trauma whether he's in this world or not. Uh, adding that she would continue to speak out against sexual assault and domestic violence. The scars will never completely go away, but I have learned to live past the trauma, and I have focused my energy towards helping others. So she took this experience, and she founded a victim advocacy group called uh, Holly's House. Okay. And the center is in Indiana, and it just helps victims of molestation, rape, uh, survivors of murder, um, just any sort of trauma. Right. They help these women and these children and these men um, to get past it. So they do a lot of um, outreach. They do a lot of counseling. They do programs in schools where they go and teach children about, like, what is a good touch, what is a bad touch, yeah. um, when to tell somebody if something's happening yeah. to you. That's amazing. Because I always can... I feel like I always appreciate when you have victims of tragedy like that that can take that and turn it into something positive yeah, something amazing. to, you know, help the community or whatever. You see that a lot of two, times, too, with, like, um, uh, people who've been wrongfully convicted, exonerees mm-hmm. come out and they start foundations to help other people like them, you know. Yes. So that's always yeah. good to see that, I think. So, um he wound up being executed in Huntsville, Texas. That's where the last murder had taken place. Um, in June 27th of 2006 by lethal injection. And his final statements, uh, he had asked for forgiveness. So I'm just going to read his final words and <laughs> we can discuss that. Oh, jeez. Um, I want to ask if it is in your heart to forgive me. You don't have to. I know I allowed the devil to rule my life. I just ask you to forgive me and ask the Lord to forgive me for allowing the devil to deceive me. I thank God for having patience with me. I don't deserve to cause you pain. You did not deserve this. I deserve what I am getting. And uh, before drawing his final breath, he claimed to be Jewish and prayed in Hebrew and Spanish. I mean... What? Yeah. So... So... (laughs) Hold on. Yeah. So, was that, like, a legitimate claim that he was being possessed by the devil or following I the mean, devil? Or do you think that was more of a 
spiritual like generalization, not necessarily a literal. I think it was more of a spiritual generalization. I have a hard time believing that he's truly repentant because there was absolutely no motives to any of the killings. He didn't really steal anything. Um, Maybe a couple bucks here and there. But nothing of significant value. There was no motive. He randomly picked people out. Jesus. It was crimes of opportunity. And it was not like a robbery gone wrong situation. Uh, He came with a weapon. He assaulted several people before killing them. It's... And it just sounds... It sounds so (sighs) random, too. It sounds you know? like a true serial killer, a yeah. psychopath, yeah. someone who's out there to kill someone, to hurt. I, I don't believe that he is, was truly repentant. I think that he was just hoping that he wouldn't go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because for some reason he believed, you know. Well, and even in that last statement, it was a lot of I, I, me, exactly. I, I. And it's, there. I feel like... That's um, someone covering of, their ass. Yeah, just well, in and a lot of serial afterlife. killers <laughs> will say... Um, Instead of making their final statements or any statements that they make about the victim or about their, it's, it's always about themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, not always, but a lot of times it's like, I feel like I was put in a bad situation. I'm a product of whatever. I, this, I, I, that. Yeah. So, and you definitely had a lot of that in there. Like, I was put in this situation where I was following the devil and I gave in to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. I don't believe in any word of it. Um, Holly Pendleton didn't even go to the execution. A couple other of the, uh, victims, other children, stuff like that. They, they showed up and, um, she didn't even bother. She was too busy, you know, working on her, you know, recovery, doing all these things. And sometimes it's better to just acknowledge your pain and kind of grow and learn from it and not go backwards. Because I feel like that probably would have been going backwards. Yeah. Um, but... I had mentioned she she had written a book. She collaborated with an author, Heather Ebert, and they penned a memoir together, and it's called um, Soul Survivor, the Inspiring True Story of Coming Face-to-Face with the Infamous Railroad Killer. So it's kind of a remarkable thing that she was able... She was in... I mean, she was in college when this happened, and she was able to go on and graduate she volunteered with rape crisis hotlines and she became a speaker and went around the country on behalf of the rape abuse and incest national network. Yeah. And she's doing all these things. And then she decided, you know what? I'm going to start my own thing. And she started Holly's house in Indiana and it's just grown. Yeah. Um, Good for her. What a strong woman. Yeah. I mean, just be able to pick herself up. She was, she was even able to go to the courtroom and give her statement and face him. I mean, that to me, that speaks volumes. For like a victim impact kind of thing? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Like, I'm just going to leave you with this little excerpt that she had said. She's like, I got close to fainting, but it was my time to take back control. And she said, with Holly's house, I'm serving my purpose in the world and I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. So she took this, this horrible thing that happened to her and she's teaching other women and kids and, you know, children that these things can happen to you, but like, you shouldn't let it be the defining moment. You should take it and move on and do what you need to do. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Preach. <laughs> like, don't cry, Janelle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the story was just like, ugh. 
And I was yeah. reading like little parts of her book, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't Man, know if I can do intense. this. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever gotten that intense mm-hmm. on this show. It's all right. I'm gonna bring it back up a yeah. little bit. Yeah, because mine is like. The story of just a real badass <laughs> okay. woman. Mine was just like... Yeah. I had... Yeah. So you chose you chose this topic, and I thought, oh, that's great. There's going to be tons out there. Um, it's hard. It is hard. And there's... I do have two favorites that I was kind of choosing between, mm. and one of them was Mary Vincent. Of course. Who was... Fucking... Yeah. I think we'll amazing. probably talk about her one day, um, yeah. but definitely Google her story, because... Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That's a badass bitch. Oh, yeah. Um, the other one that I'm actually going to talk about is about a woman named Sarah Brady. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with this, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Sarah Brady, she was 26 in 2005, and she was nine months pregnant. Um, she, too, has done a lot of, like, she did an interview on Oprah and was on an episode of I Survived. Yeah, um, see, I was trying. I'm like, I can't do an I Survive story. Nah, that's <laughs> but right. you never, I mean. Man, I. There's just so many. Don't, yeah. You can't, you, can't, you can't even. I feel like a lot of stuff we've talked about has been on some sort of. Yeah, some show somewhere. I mean, we did, I think we did one that was on FBI Files last week. Yeah, and I didn't even, I'm like, nobody <laughs> knows the story. It's so fucking underground and local. And then I Google search fucking FBI files and show about it. damn it! It's like yeah. street. <laughs> yeah, so she's, um, you know, been able to do interviews and kind of speak about her experience. So she was nine months pregnant in 2005 with her first child, and she was, like, ready to pop at any moment. Yeah, she was five <laughs> like days... She thinks of, like, the Jiffy Pop popcorn, and she's like, it's gonna yeah, blow. it's gonna blow. <laughs> yeah, she was uh, five days overdue oh, on her God. pregnancy, and um, she had just got engaged, and she was, like, waiting to be get married to her fiancé and start mm-hmm. this family. So one night, out of the blue, she gets a phone call um, from some woman who is claiming that her name is Sarah Brody. So Sarah Brady and mm-hmm. Sarah Brody. Um, so she says her name's Sarah Brody and that she had gotten this gift, like a baby gift, that had somehow mistakenly ended up at her house. Uh, she had claimed that she was also nine months pregnant and there must have been like a mix up in the registry. Okay. Okay. Which you could see their last names are are one letter off. Like what are the chances? Mm -hmm. She's also nine months pregnant, so she should be getting baby stuff. Okay. (laughs) That doesn't sound weird at all. Um, So she, I'm too suspicious. I'd be like, "Nice try, bitch." Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think so. Like, you could keep it. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah Brady, she didn't honestly really think anything of it, and she goes over to this woman's house to go get her gift. Um, the box that had arrived had a couple of things that were on actually on her registry, including baby bottles and stuffed animals and like other baby things. But there wasn't like a packing slip or an invoice or anything in the box. Mm -hmm. Well, this woman who claimed her name was Sarah Brody, um, said that she had misplaced the air bill that came with the box. Oh, well, you know, that's like a harmless. Yeah. You always harmless away. Yeah. "Eh, Whatever. So, uh, Sarah picked up the box and went home. That was it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, harmless enough. So, she goes home, goes on about her day. Later that same day, she gets another phone call from the same woman 
who said her name was Sarah Brody, saying that UPS had just delivered another box that was meant for Sarah Brady. This time, um, and said the two of them kind of like talked on the phone and were chatting about things. She would say um, in interviews that she kind of thought this woman was just like a lonely pregnant woman and she felt really sorry for her. Mm -hmm. And so she was, you know, she wanted to be nice and started chit-chatting with her. She did later that night tell her fiance too about this, like these packages showing up at this woman's house that were meant for her. Um, so he knew about it. Mm -hmm. And the next morning she decided to go back over to the apartment to pick up the second package. Again, when she got there, there wasn't like any indication of who had sent it. There was no packing slip, no invoice. And this woman again said that her husband had like misplaced the air bill. Um, but this time she insisted that Sarah stay and look for it. Like, she was like, oh, no, I just misplaced that. Like, if you come in, we can look for it together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I I always think in this story, like, yeah, I guess that doesn't really seem that weird. You know, it's not, I don't know. <laughs> Would you it's go into somebody's house? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. You know, that's not, it might be a little strange, but I'll <laughs> go with it. Um. So she goes inside and the two of them start looking around the house and they go into a bedroom. And in the interviews that she gives, Sarah is, she kind of says, I don't even know what possessed me to look at that nightstand, but they go into her, into her bedroom and she looks at the nightstand and sees an inhaler sitting on the nightstand And what she saw was on the label, it was not the name Sarah Brody, but it was somebody named Katie Smith. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's weird. Don't know who this Katie Smith person is, but she got this really bad feeling. um, And before she was able to flee from the apartment, um, the woman who we now know is Katie Smith and not Sarah Brody, um, she collapsed and started claiming she was going into labor. Oh, God. She's like, oh, my God, I'm going into labor, blah, blah, blah. So not really knowing what else to do, Sarah helped this woman into her bathroom. Uh, once she got Katie into the bathroom, Sarah turns to leave out of the door, and Katie asks if she could give her new friend a hug. Which is like, okay, I thought you were going into labor. That's really (laughs) fucking weird. super weird. She says, I want to give my new friend a hug. And she didn't even have a chance to say no before um, this woman just grabbed onto her and, like, squeezed her in this embrace. Just started squeezing her tighter and tighter and tighter. And she, like, didn't hit. She couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So then this woman, Katie takes out a knife oh God. and whispers into her ear, um, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> oh, yes. man. This is like a Lifetime movie. I know. Just, I know it. So it's much. intense. <laughs> so she was able to knock the knife out of this woman's hand, and they, the two of them then kind of, like, wrestled and fought for, like, 20 minutes. They're just, like... And you got to imagine, too, it's, like, two pregnant women mm-hmm. 
I'm using air quotes. <laughs> you know, can you see them? Can you see the air quotes? <laughs> Um, so these two pregnant women just wrestling around for like 20 minutes. Oh my God. At some point, Sarah manages to get a hold of this knife and was able to stab Katie three times before she ran out of the apartment. Cause she's just trying to, she's thinking about her child, yeah. her unborn child and trying to survive and getting back to her fiance and like, I need to get out to safety. Um, she didn't know it at the time when she left the apartment, but she had actually killed Katie Smith. She died from her her wounds. Her wounds. Um, but when she left the apartment, she didn't realize she wasn't thinking about that. She just was trying to get out uh, mm-hmm. safely. The police showed up not long after that, and after they went in and searched the apartment, they found a padded belly suit stained with blood that Katie had been wearing. To fool all of her family and friends into thinking that she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Which is like... (sighs) Level 100 crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little crazy. Um, They also found a crib, diapers, formula, and toys all inside of a nursery that she had put into the house. Oh my god. And they also found, more disturbingly, a diaper bag that had surgical gloves cutting instruments, medical gauze, and a homemade umbilical clamp. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, And so, if you haven't put it together already, all of this evidence basically points to the fact that Katie had planned to steal Sarah's baby right out of her womb. To literally cut the baby out of her womb. Oh, are people so crazy? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well... And then, <laughs> as, as if the story, yeah, it doesn't end there. So the story is not strange enough. Um, in what I could only think to call a Shamalama Ding Dong twist, <laughs> Sarah actually gets accused of. Um, she like becomes the focus of the investigation um, into Katie's murder, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, because members of Katie's family started claiming that Sarah had actually planned to sell her child to Katie for $5,000, but had changed her mind and then decided to kill her instead. That's what members of Katie's family were claiming. So Sarah herself, the woman who had been attacked, after, imagine escaping this horrible thing, and then the next thing you know... You're at the center of an investigation as a suspect in a murder for somebody who attacked you. Um, She was completely, like, thoroughly questioned by the police. And Mm -hmm. she even underwent a six-hour lie detector test. Um, Yeah, which is, like, crazy. But they obviously concluded that there... It was completely 100% self-defense. And she was not at fault at all. Um... And she just happened to be, it was almost like wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. Because she was not the first person um, that Katie had tried to steal Uh their unborn child from. She had faked pregnancy three other times uh, after finding these women's personal information on online baby registries. Man. (laughs) Yeah. And after this, I think, actually... um, Toys R Us changed their registry policies as far as, like, the baby registries go. Because people can actually go online and see the information Mm -hmm. and do stuff like this, you know. 
And Sarah did successfully give birth to a healthy baby girl named Michaela Grace on February 16th, 2005. So both mother and daughter survived. Everybody was good, obviously, except for... Um, the person who died. <laughs> yeah. The woman who attacked and tried to steal her baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is actually... So that one, I just think it's crazy because she's such a badass. Like, just fighting her way out of there. But this is only one in what is like this long string of... Um, fetal abduction cases. Oh my god. Yeah, they call them fetal abduction cases. They also refer to the people as, as womb raiders. Dead serious. Like, I was doing research <gasps> oh on fetal god. abductions, and that is, like, a legitimate term that people use. They call them womb raiders. Oh my god. Someone needs to make a video game <laughs> called womb raiders. Lord Croft, womb raider. <laughs> oh. Fucking snatching them babies. Oh um, a more recent example. So that was from 2005. There was actually a more recent example of this that happened in March 2015 when an expectant mother named Michelle Wilkins was lured to the home of Danelle Catrice Lane in Longmont, Colorado, using a Craigslist ad um, selling baby clothes. Oh my God. Which obviously, I mean, you're only going to get one type of person that's going to come to your house and it's somebody yeah, you probably exactly. is expecting. When she arrived, she was stabbed by Danelle, um, who then removed her baby from, actually had removed the baby from the womb. Michelle survived, um, but the baby did not survive. And the strange thing about this one is Danelle, the woman who attacked her, she was actually taken into custody after showing up at the hospital with the child saying she had had a miscarriage and she needed help. Like I I miscarried and this is, yeah. Um, So that's, I think actually the most recent case, there's not one that I've seen after 2015, but the first documented case of fetus theft occurred in 1974. And the next case wasn't really reported until 13 years later in 1987. But since then, the time between abductions has shortened and the number of abductions has increased. There's only about 22 reported cases. And this is, again, reported cases. Um, but yeah, it's been more in a shorter amount of time. That's fucking Although crazy. there hasn't been one that I could find since 2015. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure what that says, but. I mean, there has to be some correlation between that and like the rate at which people are, you know, unable to have children. Right. Uh, because that's becoming more and more prevalent. Yeah. You know, infertility. And the cost of going oh through in gosh. vitro is fucking insane. And it's not even guaranteed. There's no. a lot of health risks doing exactly. it that I way as well. I actually looked into, be, into being an egg donor. Yeah. And the risk in that alone, you're just doing injections and going and they just collect the eggs. Yeah. I mean, you're taking shots every single fucking day. That's crazy. I mean, $15,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. But, like, do I want to, like, get shot in the butt every day for, like, six months? No. Yeah. Um, So I can – I don't want to say I can see why people would do this, but there's definitely something to that. Yeah, Yeah, I think. The crime of fetus fetus theft or fetal abduction, (laughs) I know, um, it's a relatively new classification of crime, though. Although right. we've had these documented cases, it hasn't really been classified as anything. 
um, especially in the United States. And so there isn't really like a ton of data to compare it to from the past. But criminologists are starting to kind of paint a picture of what the perpetrators of these crimes, um, the reasons why they do them and kind of what is, yeah, what's in their mindset. Yeah, exactly. Um, In all of the cases... The womb raiders. This is another place they use the term God womb raiders. Yeah. Um, in all of the all of the cases, the womb raiders are women who are obsessed with having a baby. Most of them methodically planned and executed their attack alone. All of them told their partners and families that they were pregnant. Most of them decided to abduct a fetus because they believed it would salvage their relationship in some way with their partner. Prior to abducting the fetus, almost all the women made an effort to validate their claim of being pregnant. Most of them wore maternity clothing, obtained fake sonograms on the internet. <laughs> it's a thing. I know you just it's print a them thing. off the internet. <laughs> oh my god! Um, purchasing baby clothing, they were attending baby showers, informed family and friends that their due dates had been extended, and prepared a kit with items that they would need to commit the crime. It's fucking nuts. You know, there's a thing called fucking adoption, yeah. and there's tons of children without families, so you know that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, although that, even that is, like, expensive and difficult, trying to... I mean, it de- it depends on where you are yeah. and what, uh, like, in Illinois, there's a network where you can adopt children without any, you really? have to pay anything. Well, especially, there's a big thing with people wanting to adopt overseas. Yes, that um, is when it starts getting expensive. That is crazy Or when you um, want to adopt infants. Yeah. Um, but there are children, any kids with disabilities and stuff like that, there's uh, a network in Illinois that will, you, there's no fee. You just have to have a lawyer. Really? So that you can write up the agreement and you can adopt these children without anything. But you also have to take into consideration that if you do go the other route where you're basically hand-selecting a child, it sounds fucking terrible to me, but, yeah. like, where you're like, I want a baby and I want him to be less yeah. than 10 months old and all this shit. Right. That's where you start paying a great deal of cash. But you also get money back from the government for adopting children. So okay. just do your research. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an option, and it's a good option. And you don't have to steal people's babies out of their wombs. No, I know plenty of people who have adopted children or who, or, you know, were orphans or whatever you want to call it, like, that were adopted. Um, And I know a couple people who have given up children for adoption, so... It's a good way if totally. you want children, you can't have them totally. <laughs> to have a yeah, child. Absolutely. <laughs> so that was the story of Sarah Brady. It kind of took me on this like little rabbit hole into fetal abduction. Oh man, and, it's pretty messed rating. up. <laughs> the term really needs to be changed. I, I know, but um, yeah, I, I, like yeah I thought it was really interesting. There's not a ton of reported cases, but like. I don't know, it's picking up steam. They also talk a lot, too, in this research about um, babies being abducted from hospitals. That I hear a lot about. Yeah. Which I don't know how. There was a case that I was reading of a woman who she had, um, she was on her second child, but when she had her first child, he had been abducted from her. She had like, she was tired after giving birth and was on so many drugs and painkillers and stuff. She had called the nurse to come and have them take the baby back to the nursery. And somebody showed up in scrubs and nursing gear. And she was like 
kind of out of it. So mm-hmm. she handed it over. And then like five minutes later, another person in scrubs came and was like, we're here to take your baby to the nursery. She said, I just gave them to you. And then next thing you know, the hospital's on lockdown. Yeah. And they were able to find her child. He was like in a, in like a bag or a purse oh zipped up God. under a chair in the waiting room. What? While the person, I think while the person who was trying Changing to abduct, abduct them was trying to flee because mm-hmm. the hospital went into lockdown. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's, just, it's crazy what, what people will do oh to have God. children. And, and I get that I desire, but <laughs> yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <sighs> so that's what we call a positive episode. Survivor stories. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <sighs> shout outs or like what, man? Um, I got shout some. out suggestions. You got what suggestions? do you want to start What's with? Let's, sh- let's shout out our new Patreon subscribers. Daniel Dennis. <laughs> Come on down. Yeah, right. This is actually, it's a very good friend of mine named Dan, um, who has graciously graciously too gracious too, no 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 it definitely <laughs> helps us out of it on patreon so thank, yes. you. thank you from Round here in the u.s he's out in uh, the uk the uk also listeners. he's like leading the charge in the uk for yes. our what is that called a street team is he our street uk street team? team yeah you know where people go out and be like oh listen to this band listen where, to this band oh, they you pass know, out they pass flyers <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's our UK podcast street team. Um, <laughs> I guess we got to make some flyers now. To yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Fuck, what do we get ourselves into? I don't know what that response I think I know someone with a plane that could drop them on a city for us if we need it. Oh my God. <laughs> Just like drop that. them from the sky. <laughs> Can we... No, never mind. Yeah. But that's a good idea. Things we can use that for a lot of things. I'm like, where yeah. can we drop stuff we can just <laughs> drop stuff wherever nobody does it anymore probably because like littering and stuff they, but... they did do the last time i heard of somebody doing like a flyover where they dropped something was when 1945 movie... <laughs> it was when the well, movie the um, the dictator was that the one with seth rogan yeah and, and james franco uh, yeah mm-hmm. when that came out and they were dropping copies of that into north korea Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, oh yeah, that's the last we're gonna time. do that. It'll be coming, you know, sometime in the near future. We'll drop flyers. Oh jeez! In ten years, yeah, we're right. like, we, we can afford the fines so anyway, for littering. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Dan. Yes. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Yes. And I just wanted to shout out the Guilty Podcast on Twitter. We had put up on there because we're looking for some listen- some more listener stories because we'd like to do a listener episode. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple. We need a few more. Um, and they, they kind of like quirkily were like, I have this story where like I was parked in a loading zone, but I wasn't loading anything. True crime. <laughs> 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 so I was like, that was beautiful. Thank you. So that was the Guilty Podcast. <laughs> Listener story. And so, and so that is, is that like their promo to listen to? Yeah. That <laughs> so. makes me want to listen to that. So yes. Thank Thanks, you guys. for being funny and just riffing with us on Twitter. It was yeah, greatly that's appreciated. Awesome. That's amazing. That's but the best promo for a podcast ever. On the real, for real, send us in some more listener yeah. stories. We, yeah. we need at least two more to do the episode. So we're depending on you, the listeners, to send us some stories. No pressure. No pressure at all. Or it's not gonna happen! <laughs> okay, all the pressure. Yeah. Um, I do have a suggestion this week Yay! of a podcast that I am absolutely in love with. I oh really my god. Am. Yeah. It's a podcast called Court Junkie. 
Mm. Yes. It's I've hosted heard it, by but I have not Jillian. And she is based out of Chicago. She's actually a Chicago girl. So uh some of the like the first handful actually there's a lot of episodes that are f- like from the Illinois area, which is where we're at. So I think mm-hmm. I connected with that. But she definitely looks at more of the like court proceedings. Okay. Which I am really into. I find that fascinating. And like the police interviews and yeah. things like that. It's kind of and, hard to decipher that stuff. Yeah. And, and she definitely breaks it down and kind of gives you the important bits so you're not just like staring, you know, it's like watching an empty courtroom. <laughs> right. Like C span, like uh. Yeah. <laughs> and the cases that she chooses are ones that are really thought provoking and sometimes kind of weird and deal with issues that might not have been um, brought up before. There was a case she talked about of a man whose wife was diagnosed, uh, I think she might have been diagnosed with cancer, was sick and in the hospital, and they had made a pact that they wouldn't let each other like go out in disease and pain, so he walked into the hospital and shot her. And oh, yeah, that's one way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, and then it was this case of, you know, was it he he was trying to help her and he didn't realize that the doctors had said she was actually probably going to make it. They hadn't oh, told shit. him that. So, like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're definitely, yeah. like, these oh, cases man, that are thought-provoking and tricky <laughs> and there's unusual stuff that happens. And she's not there to say somebody's guilty or not guilty, but right. just, just facts. yeah, it's Super good. Awesome. Definitely recommend that it. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm interested. Abs- I have been like, that's the one that I've been rolling through at work. Add it to in the, the list last, like, of two weeks. All the ones I haven't listened to. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Don't worry, I'll give you another one in two weeks that you gotta listen to. Right? Yeah. I'm just gonna be like, I can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You got so, any other suggestions? Any? No, just you know, hit us up on our Twitter, our oh, Instagram, yeah. BT Crimecast, the Bad Taste Crimecast. Send us shit to our fucking email so we can like talk to you we let like us know you love listeners. us yeah yeah i'll fucking engage the shit out of you <laughs> oh, oh oh my oh yeah oh it's happening oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, especially on Patreon, I'm gonna throw some shit up on there. You guys were be fucking yeah, ready we're gonna for that. <laughs> be. I think Tiff is gonna start working on a blooper reel yeah. for our Patreon subscribers. I, I want to apologize to the people who have already subscribed because I've been very slow to get stuff up there because they just changed the website. Oh, and they really? just restructured everything. Oh jeez. So I was like, yeah, I gotta fucking hold on this, and then they changed everything. Isn't that how life goes? And then we start getting more subscribers, and I'm like, fuck, 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 I can't keep up! Mm-hmm. So, just bear with us while I, you know, get the bearings. You know, we'll get it one of these days. But we're just gonna fucking blast you with so much content. Didn't that sound wrong? <laughs> <laughs> A blooper reel? If you could have seen my face just now, I was like the, oh I God. also did finger guns oh, at you as I said it, which was not okay. No, no finger guns. I'm yeah. not over the age of 55. I can't finger gun at people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Well, yes, ours- there will be stuff coming to Patreon for you people. Thank you very much. <laughs> our sound and editing is done by Tiff Weech. Our music is by Jason Z. Didn't do that this episode yet, so I've got to get it in. We need a button. I know. One of these days. Damn it. When we have a soundboard. Now we have money that we can invest in a soundboard. Thank you guys. Uh, (laughs) To annoy the shit out of you. Yes. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all evil.
some form or another.